0: Hello there, friends. I'm Paul Bruno, coming to you from a Canadian hockey hotbed in southern Ontario, talking about the fantasy sports podcast that RotoWire puts out every year. And we're very happy that we're here on the opening day of the NHL season. And uh, just want to give you a couple of reminders before we get going. Where you can follow us, you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And my co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow, at AJScholes24, located in Sun Perry, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, where... With a lot of people are really busy now that it's opening day in the NHL, and we saw the opening rosters come out uh, yesterday, so the teams are all set, and uh, so we're here to bring you the last of our four preseason pods, highlighting the makeup of the rosters in the Atlantic Division, the only team we haven't covered yet, and uh, we'll look at the line combinations, defense pairing, and goalies for each team, and uh, my partner, AJ Scholes, is here to help along with that exercise, and let's bring him in now. How are you, AJ?
1: Doing good. Penguins play tonight. Kick off the season. I'm sure hockey fans are probably sick of that uh, talking point already of uh, you know the the old kid versus the new kid. So uh, I'm I'm sure most of us just want to get to the game and watch the Penguins blow out uh, the Blackhawks tonight. That's well, that's, what I'm to. that's
0: definitely a compelling view. I'm looking forward to it. AJ, I wonder how this Connor Bedard is going to make out this year. What's your projection for him? Let, let's do that before we get into the the atlantic division i think the kid is going to get like 30 goals maybe 70 points that's that's what i see out of out of him in the first year in the big league and uh, it's largely because he doesn't have a lot of great talent to play with on that team I know we highlighted Taylor Hall is going to spend a lot of time on his wing and a couple of older veterans who are there to insulate him with more physicality than, than on ice skills. So uh, they've done a nice job surrounding him with a couple of key pieces, but I think there's a lot more work to do there. And that's going to keep his totals down. A lot of people are saying, oh, no, he's a hundred point guy, but I'm not in that camp AJ. I don't know what you think.
1: No, me either. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe closer to 25 goals. Um, it's not, you know, the thing is he, it's not like Taylor Hall's this like world-class playmaker, like Taylor Hall's a goal scorer. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, he's not necessarily, not that he can't, right. He's certainly capable of putting up assists, but, um, I think he's more goal scoring minded. So I think Bedard might have to play a little bit more of that playmaker role. Um, so I would expect, I think you're right on probably 70, maybe 80 points. Um, But I think it'll be more assist-heavy. I think we'll see closer to 25 goals. I don't know if he hits 30. And uh, you touched on the fact that our game's being played. We normally will have a DFS, Daily
0: Fantasy Sports, component to the show. Uh, We'll do that in the regular season. We'll finish up our preseason schedule with a full look at the Atlantic Division. And let's dive into that right now, AJ, beginning with the Boston Bruins. They've had a tremendous makeover up front. Why don't you lead us in
1: that regard? And I'll uh, comment on your thoughts and then lead us into the defense. Well, I mean, the biggest storyline, obviously, is uh, Bergeron is, is gone. Um, hung him up this year. Uh, David Krejci is, is gone as well. So some big changes down the middle. Uh, and that's probably, in, in my opinion, where they're the thinnest right now. Um, you've got, uh, I, I don't know why we have this listed as a top line. I guess maybe it is. But uh, we'll call them 1A and 1B because we got James Van Riemsdyk, Pavel Zaka, uh, as the left wing in the center. They're with David Pasternak, so I, I kind of get why that's the top line. But then on the 1B line, we've got Brad Marchant, Charlie Coyle, and Jake DeBrusque. Um, so as you can see, center relatively thin. I, th- I mean, I think a lot of times Zaka definitely a 2 Coyle, a 2 or a 3. Um, I don't really see either of those guys as a center one, so I think it's a weak spot for this team right now. Um, It gets weaker further down. Trent Frederick, Matthew uh, Poitras, I believe is how you say that. Good enough. Poitras, Poitras, Poitras. Uh, And then Morgan Geeky there. um, Milan Lucic, Stanton Heinen in, you know, kind of bottom roles. But uh, it's a pretty thin center group. So I think if they try to, you know, add anything heading into like a trade deadline, they for sure uh, will be looking uh, for, for center help. Absolutely. So, you know, the question is, can Pasternak and Marchant uh, carry the team from the wings? I, this is a pretty week for what we're used to. This is a pretty weak Boston forward group, in my opinion.
0: I I agree with you, AJ, and it just speaks to how deep they were last year at center when you consider Zaka and Coyle, where they're three and four centers in that roster. No wonder they had such a big offensive year. And another key point is we're projecting that Pasternak and Marchand will not play together on a regular shift. They're each being tasked essentially to drive uh, one one of each of the top two lines. James Van Riemslake on a regular ship on the top line, I think uh, that ship has sailed. He's been a third or fourth line guy for a couple of years now and more of a power play specialist. I think that's where his value is going to come through for the Bruins. So. Still not a bad guy to pick up deeper in your drafts, I would suggest. But they're, they they got to get a great year out of Zaka to drive the offense here, I think. Last year, 57 points. He's got to top that by a considerable margin. He'll get the chance to do it with Pasternak on his wing. But Pasternak's offensive total should suffer here a little bit too, AJ. Guy got 113 points. I don't think he tops 100 this year with this lineup. And, and Brad Marchand's getting a little long in the tooth. But he's a new captain here. 67 points in 73 games. I think he'll be he'll be in that range again this season. But uh, they're looking for a breakout from DeBrusque and Zaka, I think, to to drive this offense. And then it's uh, fringe players like Putra. He was a gra- he's graduating from Guelph in the OHL. He had 95 points in 63 games played. A teenager that makes the lineup here. We're going to see that a lot in the opening weeks of the season. A lot. Of- we'll talk about that a little bit later. John Beecher coming up from the AHL. Jacob Lauko, he's 23 years old played in the AHL last year, had modest totals. Uh, these are guys that are bottom six guys. So uh, very thin offense, I think for the Bruins and a precipitous drop is expected as a result in, in what I think is one of the NHL's most competitive divisions. Taking us to the defense here, the pairings here, a little more solid outlook on the blue line. Than at center uh, that at forward in my opinion Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy form a very credible uh, top pairing McAvoy 52 points and f- 67 games he's got to be healthier this year to make those holes go higher and uh, we'll be running the power play on the on, from the point position Grizzlick should threaten the 30point mark again as his partner in a regular shift then the second pairing, It's a pretty good shutdown defensive pairing with Hampus Lindholm. He had 53 points, so more than McAvoy, and uh, it'd be hard-pressed to recall that total here. And Carlo, the defensive conscience, 16 points, but uh, one of the biggest hitters and and shot blockers around, so that's his value to this club. The third pairing is going to be some combination of Derek Forbert And Kevin Shattenkirk, a new face coming over from Anaheim with 27 points in 75 games played last year. Got a good offensive upside to him and can spell on the power play as well. That's where I see his value. And then a depth piece in Ian Mitchell, who goes from Chicago's roster to the Bruins this year as the seventh defenseman. AJ, what say you about this uh, seven-pack of blue liners? Uh, What are you looking for?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a little bit more production maybe out of, Griselczyk, uh, McAvoy to have, you know, f- stay healthy, play an 82 game season. Uh, you know, you kind of mentioned Kirk is kind of like their, their third offensive producer behind uh, McAvoy, Lindholm, you know, maybe he can step in and intake on more. Um, Forbert, Mitchell, Carlo, really more of your defensive minded guys here. So um, it's a good group. I like it. They're very solid. Um, They're, you know, they have that kind of combination that we talked about, Paul, uh, the, the top four is really, really good. So their new additions are more, uh, probably going to shuffle around that third, uh, third pairing. So I, I, overall, I, I mean, I like their defense more than I like their forwards. That's for sure. No question. Uh, in the nets, we had a bit of a split share last season. Linus Omar took 49 games, 40 wins over that stretch, just six losses, uh, Along the way, there 1.89 was the goals against average. Really fena- uh, phenomenal season by him. Jeremy Swayman takes the other 37, 24, six and four four shoot uh, shutouts for him, which was higher than Omar, but uh, the other numbers were a little bit uh, worse. too, but not bad. 2.27 goals against average, 9.20 the save percentage. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, you know, I do. I think Omar could be a 55. 60, uh, 60 game player. I absolutely. Um, but they've got a good system working for them last year that kept Omar uh, pretty fresh. I I think I don't expect him if he plays less, you know, if he plays 50 games or fewer, I wouldn't expect him to get 40 wins again this year that the team around him is not as good as it was last season. Um, so don't be surprised to see a dip in that, that, that win, uh, number, but I still think he's capable of having a, a fantastic season. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't hate to have him on, on my team. This might be one of the best options um, to take both sides of, of a goaltending duo uh, for fantasy contests here for season long. Have Omar have Swayman, and just make sure you're getting the right guy in uh, in your lineup on a, on a night-to-night basis. And you do that by looking after uh, into the Rotowire website and finding out the work
0: that AJ and company are doing to bring you the best information for starting lineups on a game night basis. So beware of that. In fact, it's critical in Boston's case because I think Swayman might even uh, pass Ulmark in terms of games played. He's a guy that they're very high on. He took a big step last year and Ulmark's playoff might have rattled him. Uh, I don't know how he comes back from... From that uh, to start the season behind a lesser offense certainly and a lesser team in front of them and i'm you might see an exact even split here 41 41 but i'm also saying be wary that uh, swayman might even get more starts this year that's my call uh, maybe the first hot take of this show buffalo sabres up next this young and up-and-coming team is uh, got a couple of great pillars on defense but before we talk about them we're going to talk about the makeup up of the forward lines and the first two units are pretty strong with familiar faces Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck make up the top line. Thompson had a breakout year last year with 94 points and 78 games played. Could threaten the 50-goal mark. Again, this guy's big. He's got a great shot, and he can move around. Very hard to move off the puck, so I really, really like him. Uh, to finish in the top 10 scoring in the NHL. Alex Tuck is just a notch behind him. He was a point better than a point-of-game player, eight, almost 80 points last year in 74 games played. Skinner finally earning the contract that, that we've dogged as one of the mo- most uh, outrageous deals earlier on in, in the way that was set up when he was in Carolina. But he's making good on it in the last couple of seasons. Last year, 82 points in 79 games played. And why wouldn't he repeat that with those two guys working with him on the top line? Second unit is a really good up-and-coming duo joined by Victor Olofsson, who broke out a couple of years ago. He, ca- he came in with 28 goals and 12 assists last year on the right wing. Dylan Cousins, that breakout at center with 31 goals, 37 assists. And J.J. Paterka, 12 goals and 20 assists in 77 games. Look for him to smash through those totals early this year. I think he could be a 50-point guy on that second unit. A really good-looking six-pack in the middle of the, uh, at the top end of their roster. From there, it drops off a little bit, as you might expect. Jo- Jeff, Jordan Greenway split time with Minnesota and Buffalo last year. He's a physical presence on the third line. Casey Middlestat, another talented center, 59 points. It's a luxury to have a, almost a 60-point guy as your third line center. Not many teams can match that. Then a new face uh, that cracked the opening lineup, as far as we can tell, Zach Benson played in Winnipeg of the WHL last year. He was the 13th pick, 30, 20 in the 2023 draft, coming off a 96, 98 point season, uh, win 60 games played last year in Winnipeg in the WHL. And after that, it's bit players, including the captain uh, Kyle Opal, making up the fourth line. Tyson Yost is uh, is uh, out of the starting lineup, and I'm surprised by that development. This guy bounced around the league, split time with. Minnesota and Buffalo last year, but did crack the top four units that we have laid out here. Uh, unless AGU have other information and uh, an injury note, Jack Quinn, another youngster here, he's out with an Achilles injury and there's no timeline at least at my end
1: for his return. Yeah. I think the Jack Quinn, uh, you know, hit over, over the summer was definitely a big one. Originally, you know, they were saying four to six months, Um, So that was June. Uh, We're on the early side of that latest update in September had him not close to returning. So I'm guessing it's going to be closer to six months. Um, So I would say December, probably when we're going to get Jack Quinn back. Um, If you have the ability to stash him in an IR slot, I, I think that's definitely worth considering. 37 points in 75 games last year. I'd expect those numbers. I would have expected those numbers to go up, obviously, I don't think they will with missing the first two months of the, the season, but uh, yeah, definitely a blow for, for them on, on that front. Uh, on the back end, we'll, we'll start with, uh, you know, Rasmus Dahlin signing an eight year, $88 million contract. He'll be the highest paid player uh, for the Sabres next season when that k- kicks in. So we won't be able to complain about Jeff Skinner anymore, Paul, Um <laughs> So I, I like the deal. I mean, he's 23 years old. It locks him up basically all throughout his 20s uh, into his early 30s. So basically, it just secures the prime time of his career. Yeah, maybe 11 million right now. You know, you could make an argument. It's a little steep, but you look at his numbers. They've been really, really solid, uh, and especially this last season. 73 points, 32 of those coming with the power play. So he is the offensive driver Of this team, no doubt about it, he pairs with Matias Samuelson, who missed part of last season. He's going to be more of your your shutdown guy. Uh, The next unit, you're looking at Owen Power. I would expect him to take another step in his development, 35 points last year. I would put him 45, maybe 50 this year even. Uh, Henry Jokoharu pairs up with him as kind of the shutdown guy. And then uh, some new names coming in to be kind of that shutdown third pairing. Neither one will offer a ton of offensive upside. That's Connor Clifton from Boston, Eric Johnson from Colorado. So really, this is a two-man show. Uh, and, and, you know, you could honestly even say like a one-man show in Rasmus Staline, But I think Owen Power will play a factor uh, in the defensive scoring as well.
0: Yeah, those were the two towers that I mentioned that were going to be the backbone of this team from the, from the blue line. And I'm I'm right with you. Rasmus Dallian is going to drive the offense on the power play uh, at that position. Owen Power taking a lesser role maybe in that regard, spelling him once in a while. I wonder if they'd consider using both of them on the point of the power play. That would certainly increase Power's value as well. So something to look out for. but. Uh, definitely a 1A and a 1B situation. And as you said, not too much in terms of fantasy hockey value on the rest of that blue line. At the goaltending position, this is one where they're they're taking a bit of a chance, I think, in my opinion, making Devin Levi the first string goalie out of camp. He is a guy who played at Northeastern University. I'm sure you have a lot more to say about his Efforts there than I could. 34 games played, 224 goals against, and 923 save percent, 933 save percentage. He did play seven games in the NHL last year. The numbers were around three goals against and around a 90% save percentage. That's more of what I would expect for him in a first year as a pro. And uh, I wonder if he's going to get more reps than either of Eric Comrie and Uka Pekka and the latter of which was expected to be their goalie of the future some time ago. He had a pedestrian year last year, I'll say, in thirty-one appearance, 33 appearances, 17, 11, and four was the record. The goals against was pretty high, though, at 361, and the save percentage sub-90%, so nothing to write home about there. And maybe that's why they're looking for Levi to take the goaltending reins, because the third option is Eric Comrie, and he's been a career backup, too. So I think it's a bit of a risky play going with Levi as the first line of defense in the Nets, but by all accounts, he's very highly
1: touted. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you can say about them is they're not paying for goalies right now. Uh, three, <laughs> even in keeping all three on the lineup, you're looking at $3.5 million uh, as the combined cap hit for that trio. So I, I think it's Devon, uh, Devon Levy's job to to win. Uh, I won't even say to lose because if he struggles a little bit, uh, if things aren't going perfectly well, I think at this point they know what they have in Lukanen uh, and so they can move Levi down to the minors, let him kind of develop more there. Um, hasn't really played at the AHL level. You know, Rochester is a pretty good program. Uh, so I, I would think it's, you know, it's his to win is, is kind of the better way, I think, to, to think about it. Uh, 21 years of age, obviously, if he comes in and has just a ridiculous, even, I mean, even if he put up. If he put up Lukanen's numbers from last year in his first like full professional season, I don't think they'd be too disappointed. Uh, you you know you want him a little bit better than that. That's why they're giving him a shot. Um, but if they're like slightly better than that, you know, still maybe not phenomenal, um, I would expect maybe we'll see um, some some more opportunities for him down you know down the road. So we'll we'll see what all that shakes out. They've got a bunch of decisions to make there. Uh, Lukanen is an RFA next season. Comrie is a free agent. Like you said, career backup. I don't expect him to really be much of a factor. I'll move us on to the Detroit Red Wings, who added a large piece to their top line in Alex DeBrincat, 27 goals, 39 assists. Uh, Just a phenomenal season last year for Ottawa. I think he's a great addition to this top line. To go with Dylan Larkin there, who had, uh, quick math here, just under 80 points last year, 79. Uh, for Larkin, David Perron, 24 goals last season, 32 assists. So it's a strong first line. I like the second line as well. Robbie Fabry uh, played just 28 games last season. Injuries, a huge concern for him. Uh, so he is a risky fantasy play and uh, whether or not he can stay healthy there. JT Comfer is the center, comes over from Colorado. Um, I think it was Colorado last year. Uh, 17 goals last season. Uh, Another good campaign by him. And then they've got Lucas Raymond, kind of the young, uh, you know, young stud player that they've had for, you know, two years now. um, That has really put up some numbers. Yeah, you could maybe say a minor sophomore slump last season, but he dropped from 57 points to 45, still a really good year. he's plenty of time on the power play. So I like the top six. The problem for me with this team is it drops off significantly from there. Michael Rasmussen had just under 30 points last year, played only 56 games. So maybe he can, you know, be a healthy 82 game player, but what happens when Fabry gets hurt, then he's off this third line. Andrew Kopp, uh, maybe could push comfort for the second spot, but again, I'm not sold on that. I've never been sold on Daniel Sprong, even though I'll admit he had a pretty decent season with Seattle last year. Um, so for me, the bottom here is, is the problem for this team. Long-term uh, Kim Clauston comes over from Edmonton, Christian Fisher from Arizona. So they've, they've got like, they've got guys that have potential, right? Like all these guys, can Fabry stay healthy Can Sprong repeat what he did last year? Christian Fisher has been a name that's supposed to have been a 20, 30, 40 goal scorer at points in his career. Um, So there's like potential guys on this team and it just hasn't come together for those guys. Can they do it in Detroit? I'm not so sure. Well, I, I agree with the point that you're making. When you look at the point totals that some of
0: the depth guys did produce, it's not like they're are hopeless offensively. They've all produced some decent totals. And the fact that we see five new faces among the top 12 forwards here is indicative of a next step in the Red Wings development where they've added some quality up in the top six. Comfort was a solid second-line center for Colorado. If he can just play the same way that he did last year, they'll be thrilled with that. And Dabrinkat is known as a, a scoring piece. Partnered with Dylan Larkin should thrive Definitely thrive, and David Perron elevated to first-line status that has the makings of a really good top line. If the third line is going to wear people out, if the physicality and size of Rasmussen and and Cobb is allowed to play out during the whole season, Sprong is a a bit of a wild card, could be a feast or famine type. You did say he had a nice year with Seattle. I don't know if he can repeat it from a third-line position in Detroit, but still a credible piece there. And the fourth line adds a little bite with Klim Costin as well. And Joe Valeno as kind of an insurance piece. Should anybody on that third unit or up above get hurt, you can plug him in at any forward position. So a deeper look than we've seen in Detroit and maybe taking the next step in the development for that club. On the blue line, it's more of the same. When you consider Jake Wallman had a bit of a breakout to reach the 28-point mark in 63 games played. Moritz Sider, the signature piece defensively here, he's a good two-way player, 42 points on the ledger last year, maybe expecting more goals from him. He only had five last year. He'll be driving the power play from the point position for this club and should top those totals, maybe threatening the 50-point mark in my estimation. After that, Jeff Petrie is kind of the next offensive piece of, of note. Coming over from Pittsburgh last year, where I'm sure you can comment on, the 61 games played, 31 points in total. If he gets to play a regular shift, he should be a 40-point guy on that blue line as the second defensive threat. They have a third offensive threat, though, in Shane Gostaspair, who brings a lot of savvy and experience to the power play if they want to bring him into that role. He's a guy that can produce points. He had 41 last year, splitting the season with Arizona and Carolina. So they've got three offensive-minded players on the depth chart on the blue line and uh, they've done the smart thing and relegated justin hall to, to a, a seventh defenseman on this club they got it right it didn't take him long to figure out what i already knew that was a bad signing, <laughs>
1: one of the worst signings of the off
0: season over to you pal uh
1: yeah i don't i don't know if i'd go that far but um <laughs> i just did i'll take it you may like, even say like... the same thing about
0: olimata i mean you might think the same thing i don't know
1: yeah, yeah well, he might has been there for a while. They've been stuck with him for a couple of years now. Uh, well, actually, just one year. Never mind, I'm wrong. Anyway, um, Shane Gossesbear. I like that addition there. It's it's very similar to everything we I said about their forward group. Like you look at Gossesbear's numbers. There's you know his first season in Arizona, 51 points. Even last year, 31 points and only 52 games played for Arizona. Numbers with Carolina, 10 points and 23. So they're right on par. But then you also have, you know, the year in Philadelphia, 12 points and 42 games. So, uh, you know, what do you, which Shane Gossifer are you getting here? So I, <laughs> I like the opportunity there. Jeff Petrie falls in that exact same category. You know, he came over from Montreal. Um, you know, he had four straight seasons in which he had 40 plus points. Had one down year in Montreal, 27 points in 68 games. I think Pittsburgh thought they were going to get the 40-point guy. That didn't happen, just those 31 points, as you mentioned. So um, potential guys, that's, that's kind of the, the theme here um, for, for Detroit. In the Nets, uh, Billy Huso gets, gets, his, uh gets his shot here to hold on to the number one job, had 27 wins in 56 appearances for the Red Wings last season. Uh, Numbers were significantly worse uh, than what he did his last year in uh, St. Louis. The goals against average jumps from 2.56 to 3.11. Save percentage drops below 900. So um, is that his fault? Is that the team around him, you know, make whatever argument you want there. James Reimer comes over to basically, I think, compete with Alex Lyon for the backup job. Um, I don't really see either of these guys really pushing Vili Huso. maybe providing, you know, a, a veteran kind of presence. Although huso's 28 at this point, not sure he necessarily needs that. But, um, you know, Reimer or Lyon can be a decent backup, but I would expect you're going to see Huso play upwards of 55 games again this season, maybe even push for 60, because um, I'm just not sold on, on the two backups here.
0: Well, I have a little more faith in them. They both had the ability to shine in, in short streaks. So I think it could be a win-and-you're-in situation if you so falters. You might see them re- really... But the
1: same thing we said about the rest of the team. Right, exactly. potential there, there's bad seasons there. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's pretty much wash, rinse, repeat when you go up or down this lineup. But what I think is that they've improved their floor by adding the veterans that they have at each of the positions. So that's maybe the most positive step that the Red Wings have taken in terms of uh, improving their, their lot for the season. Taking us to the fourth team in our outlook, the Florida Panthers, who emerged as the, the last team standing at the end of the playoffs for this Atlantic Division group. Of something of a surprise, and uh, they too have made a number of changes, mostly on the blue line. We'll go through the forward combinations first. Carter Verhage, uh, this guy was a cast-off from Maple Leafs several years ago, and I can't believe what he's become. Last year, 42 goals and 31 assists in the full 81 games that he played. Top line left wing alongside Alexander Barkov, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. He was better than a point-per-game player and strong two-way effort as well at center and a perennial candidate for the top defensive forward in the league as well as being that 80-point guy, so really valuable center at the number one slot there. Evan Rodriguez has been elevated to first-line right wing, and that's more of a commentary on balancing the units when you consider Matthew Kachuk is the second-line right wing. But Rodriguez comes over from Colorado. He, too, had a nice year with 39 points and 60 games played. they would like to see him play a fuller schedule and see what the numbers can translate to. I suggest if he stays with those two guys on the top line, that 50 50 points is well within sight. Nick Cousins, e, E2 lost They joined Matthew Techuk on that second line, and as long as they stay there, their numbers will be elevated because, because Techuk is a top-10 scorer in this league, coming off a 109-point season uh, in 79 games played and had an outstanding playoff. Definitely the team leader offensively and should, should go very early in your drafts because he's a, a linchpin of this team's offense and uh, lights it up on the power play as well. Cousins and e then, they are... Uh, 27 points and 43 points respectively. I could see an uptick of Cousins to 40 points and Luster might trip 50 on that unit at the very least. The third line features Ryan Lomberg on the left side, Anton Lundell and Sam Reinhardt on the right side. Reinhardt is another guy who, if if he's, if uh, Rodriguez falters, I think you could see Reinhardt move to the top line. He's coming off a 67-point season. I think he's miscast in the third line role. I'd like to see him play in that first first-line opportunity. I wonder what you might think about that, uh, AJ. But the, beyond that, it's then a bit parts all over the place. Uh, Mackie Sam- Samuskiewicz is a, a young guy coming out of the University of Michigan, first-round draft pick in 2021, had a 63-point season and 39th games played last year. He's going to be a prospect that might see some ice time in the early going. Steve Lawrence coming over from San Jose is a plugger who was made his career in the depth roster of the roster of the San Jose Sharks, coming off an 18-point point season in 80 games played. Ditto for Kevin Stenland coming over from Winnipeg. And San Bennett, an injury note here, AJ. This is a guy who should be a top six player on this team when healthy. He comes off a 40-point season in 63 games played, but dealing with a lower body hurt, he'll be out at least two weeks to go uh, into the season.
1: Yeah, I think when he comes back, I I I have him taking basically Evan Rodriguez's spot on that that top line. The question is, where do they put Rodriguez? Then, um, do you drop a Nick Cousins from the second line? Um, do you put him down on the third line, uh, possibly even at center, maybe, uh, and push Lundell to to fourth line center? You know, you've you've got some options. So, um, but I think Bennett immediately. Tops, you know, takes that top line spot with Barkov and and Verhege, at least that's that's what I would do if I if I were running the team on the blue line. Look, we have to talk about the two big injuries to start Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Montour, both out, both facing at least two months on the sidelines. That's a huge blow for this team. I mean, these are two of their top uh, top guys last season, both. Offensive pieces, uh, really just, a, a you know, fantastic years by, by both of them last year. Uh, and to not have either one of those guys. I mean, Montour, 73 points led the way. Ekblad, 38 points. Um, and that has led to a complete and total overhaul of this uh, defensive group. You've got Gustav Forsling and Josh Mahura back. Uh, Forsling was the, the kind of third uh, piece of the offensive drivers here, 13 goals, 28 assists to go with Ekblad and Montour. From there, you've got Oliver ekman Larson just played 54 games last year, 22 points. You would hope those numbers go up. Dmitry Kulov, uh, spit time, split time between Anaheim and Pittsburgh. He's not an offensive piece really here. Uh, Nico Mikola comes over, 81 games played, six points. Mike Riley from Boston only saw action in in 10 games last season. So they uh, really have a thin, you know, a thin group here for the first two months in terms of offensive production. It's going to be Forsling and Ekman Larson that are going to have to really be the drivers of the offense here from the back end. We'll see if they can hold up, but they uh, could be in trouble going two months without Ekblad and Montour.
0: Yeah, if you're in season-long pools and uh, Aaron Ekblad and Montour haven't been picked in your drafts, I suspect that somebody's made a big error. You got you could stash those guys on injured reserve in most leagues. So uh, if not, keep an eye on when their return date comes because they, they, they'll they be very big adds to uh, your team as well as Florida when they do get back in the lineup. One name that you didn't mention, AJ, is Uvi Balinskis. This guy played in the Czech league. He's 26 years of age and he's going to get a shot at some ice time here. I think because he has shown a bit of an offensive upside, uh, the two players that are missing, uh, certainly are going to cost them uh, offensively from the back end. And, and, uh, has had 35 points in 50 games played in the Czech league last year. Uh, I wonder how it translates to the NHL, but I think he's going to be another guy that gets a shot. He's not like an 18 or 19 year old guy, like a lot of late additions to most teams, rosters, uh, in terms of the opening day look, but uh, I think he's going to be a guy that could be a bit of a wild card here in Florida. You mentioned the thin options behind Forsling offensively. Certainly uh, I'm looking at Mike Riley thinking, does he have that in him to, to produce some numbers? Maybe, but I have uh, more faith that OEL does the work of, of uh, putting up some offensive totals, only 22 and 54 games played. He should easily top, top that with the opportunity in front of him right now. In the Nets, there's also a bit of a gray area behind Sergei Bobrovsky, who had a fantastic playoff. He played 50 games in the regular season numbers weren't great. 307 was the goals against average 90.1% save percentage. Those are pedestrian numbers for a guy who played for a pretty good team. And uh he- they will hope that they get the playoff version of Bobrovsky's to start the season because behind him it's really thin. Anthony Stolarz looks like he's the placeholder in the second position, coming over from Anaheim in the off-season, playing only in 19 games. Played the goals against and and save percentage were not very good at all, 3.73 and 8.97 respectively. The wild card here is Spencer Knight. He has was enrolled in the players' assistance program dealing with personal issues and uh, they're giving him a chance to sort things out early in the season by putting him in the AHL and hoping he can get his game back. If he does, he'll be a quick call up and he will get a good share of the net uh, behind Bobrovsky, I think, but until he returns, it's uh, Bobrovsky's net to to run and he's got to do better than the regular season totals he put up last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that hit the nail on the head. They need playoff Bobrovsky, not regular season Bobrovsky, simple as that. Um, And if that happens, I think even Spencer Knight being back in the fold, uh, he probably won't uh, see too much work uh, if Bobrowski brings his playoff caliber uh, self to the table.
0: Okay, we've gone halfway through uh, our analysis of the the Atlantic Division. It's a time in the show where we take a bit of a break, and we'll urge you to stay with us uh, after you listen to our sponsors. You're listening to The Statsman and A.J. on Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey
2: quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
0: All right, welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. We're going to take you through the second half of our Atlantic Division Outlook in a second. But before we do, let's give a shout out to our friends at Underdog Fantasy.
1: Yeah, uh, Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy hockey. Still time to get into those best ball leagues. You're you're running out of time. We got a couple of hours left here, but uh, still opportunities for that underdogs feature best ball tournament for the upcoming NHL season has $125,000 in total prizes. If you haven't tried underdog yet, new underdog users receive a first time deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars and, and more importantly, a free six month subscription to RotoWire with promo code R W N F L. That's promo code R W N F L. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the app today and use that promo code RWNFL to claim your free RotoWire subscription and that $100 deposit bonus.
0: All right, let's continue our look with the remaining teams of the Atlantic Division partner. Uh, up next is the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, they're putting a lot of faith in their first line, and uh, the three components should, should deliver the goods, I think. But after that, it drops off a little bit, and that's where the concerns start for me. Cole Caulfield was limited to 46 games played did produce 26 goals and 10 assists. That Cy Young line probably will continue as he's more of a trigger man and a, a facilitator, but he could threaten the 40 goal mark. I think AJ if all things go well and he's partnered with a pretty good setup guy and Nick Suzuki, the captain of the Canadians coming off a 66 point season 40 of which were assists. And he'll be the, one of the guys that runs the power play from the boards probably. And, uh, Setting up the point and setting up Caulfield uh, will be his primary duty in that role, uh, as is the regular shift on this line. Then Josh Anderson, who is a, a nemesis. I mean, the Leafs are playing the Canadians tomorrow night. They should win that game. But I'll bet you dollars to Donut donuts. Anderson scores in that game. He seems to light it up whenever he faces the Maple Leafs, so watch out for that on uh, the first game between those two clubs. He's coming off a, a, another Cy Young-type season. 21 goals and 11 helpers in 69 games played. Hasn't really had extended time with Suzuki and Caulfield as a top-line right winger. He's been more of a depth piece on this roster, but I'll be curious to see if he can uh, improve on those numbers and continue to keep that role all season long. If he does, he could threaten the 30-goal mark and be a pretty good one of the top power play power forwards in the league if he keeps his game together there the second line is where they got a bit of a new look with Alex Newhook oh that rhymes I didn't even know it. (laughs) and so Colorado is where he played last year 82 games played 14 goals 16 assists and he's been bouncing around the Colorado lineup for years. Maybe he's fi- going to find a home in Montreal in the top six. Kirby Dock is a guy that I thought that they would have traded by now, but they seem to have committed to him now in uh, putting him into the scoring line role. 38 points in 58 games played. This is a big rangy guy with offensive upside. And uh, the key for him is Ken Newhook and the right winger, Urech Slakowski, who's a year removed from being the number one draft pick last year. Bit of a flop, I would say, in the opening year, but that's a lot of pressure on him as an 18-year-old guy coming in as the number one draft uh, to Montreal of all places. 39 games played, four goals, six assists. He's had a better outlook in the preseason so far this year, had a couple of goals, and I wonder if we're going to see a big step from him or a small one. I'm going to call for a mid-range, and maybe he threatens the 20-goal mark and maybe the 40-point plateau. That's what I think his ceiling might be this season. Over the, then, they make another change in adding Tanner Pearson, uh, who played on the Western Conference, a limited role, 14 games and only five points last year. But this is a guy who's a feisty and physical presence that probably is fitting uh, to put him in the third line here. And Sean Monaghan, a center who's had injury troubles, and they limited him for 25 games last year and 17 points were produced. So if he can stay healthy, you can see that he can produce, and that's the, the, the plan for him this year to avoid injury and the same can be said with brendan gallagher who's just been racked by injuries in the last few years limited to only 37 games played but he's a heart and soul guy here in montreal one of the fan favorites and uh, only eight goals and six assists so really not a fantasy uh, league factor in my opinion then the fourth line con- contains Raphael harvey pinard this guy has some offensive chops aj 34 games played 14 goals and six assists. If anybody in the top nine falters, he'll be the first guy that moves up. Beyond that, Jake Evans is a defensive forward. Jesse Wylonen is a guy who uh, played half the season last year with modest offensive totals. And Michael Pizzetta is a physical presence who will be called up when uh, they're short up front, but shouldn't be a factor either. Injury note here. Christian Dvorak, who has had a couple of shots at the top six roles in the past, will will open the season on LTIR. That's not good news. It went healthy last year. He did produce produce almost uh, every second game he got a point. So uh, decent depth forward there if he's healthy. But the prognosis is not good early on.
1: Well, Paul, before I uh, give my take on this, some hot off-the-press breaking news. Jake Gensel will play for the Penguins tonight. So he avoids missing any games this season. Uh, very exciting news. It had seemed to be trending that way. Um, just all reports went from weeks to couple games to now playing opening night. So that's huge news for the Penguins, for fantasy hockey people out there. Uh, if you're like me and you drafted Gensel uh, based off the good reports that have coming uh, out, uh, that's, that's huge news. Uh, coming out today back to our preseason preview. I think for me, uh, I'm with you on Slefkowski's uh, marker there. I think 20, 25 goals. Uh, I, he should benefit from playing with Alex Newhook. Uh, I thought Kirby Doc had a good, a good year last season, 58 games. It's his first year in Montreal after coming over from uh, Chicago, had an uptick in power play opportunities with Montreal uh, went, you know, basically added about a minute and a half of uh, power play uh, ice time with Montreal, I would expect that to continue. So I look for him as maybe a 50 pushing 60 point producer if he can play a full 82 game season. So I'm much higher, I think, on the second line, Paul, than than you are. Um, but God forbid you had to say something nice about the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I thought I did with my comment on Soskoski. <laughs> I've had to swallow hard. <laughs> uh, I'll take us into the D. You've got Mike Matheson. Um, again, you know, very similar to some of the other guys on, on this team. Injury is uh, a huge problem. I mean, you talked about Caulfield, 46. Doc, 58. Soskoski, 39. Monahan, 25. Gallagher, 37 the theme goes on and on. Mike Matheson, just 48 games played last year, but 34 points in those opportunities. I mean, that's a pretty good rate of return there. David Savard had 20 points in just 62 games played. Caden Gould, uh, 18 points in 44 games. You see the trend here. Um, so I think there's some opportunity here. If you can get a fully healthy Mike Matheson, um, I think 50 points might not be an outrageous number to, to expect out of him. Caden Gould could be closer to the 30 mark with a full season. Um, so there are some guys that could produce offensively for this team um, once once they get going. From there, you know you've got a bunch of uh, you know Jordan Harris, Justin Barron, Chris Weidman. Um, you know, Weidman dealing with an injury, but even if he plays, he's not really going to be a fantasy relevant option here. I mean he had that one outlier season in, in Montreal a couple of years ago, 27 points. But for the most part, like you look at his career, his numbers are not that great. Not that to that level of production. So um yeah, I think it's math a healthy Matheson is kind of your your key to the offensive driver here.
0: Yeah, I think you can say that about this year's edition, but I think if you look two years down the road, they are grooming four defensemen at the same time. Not many teams can say they've done that. Uh, over the years. And so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this could be a very good looking group of uh, four when you talk about the likes of Guly, Kovacevic, Harris, and Barron. Each of them similarly profiled, good size and decent offensive skills. I don't know that any of them have the top 10 scoring defenseman uh, medal, but uh, certainly they should each progress again this year. And that'll be a defining trait to determine just how quickly the rebuild is going in Montreal you didn't mention Arbor Jack eh, AJ maybe you were afraid of the pronunciation of that name but always <laughs> but uh, he's a guy who adds the physical tone for this team and at the moment he's not listed among their opening day roster but I think he's a phone call away and it wouldn't surprise me at all that he suits up to play against the Maple Leafs and uh, might we see a Ryan Reeves versus Arbor Jack guy tussle in that contest that's something that a lot of people are anticipating if he does dress for that game uh in the nets they have a combination of a youngster and a veteran uh, same as last year and sam montenbold is a guy who's getting a push to take the upper hand in the nets from what i can tell he played in 40 games last year the goals against was a 342 the save percentage at 90.1 percent and uh, behind him, Jake Allen, who's been a, a warrior for this club, uh, exor- absorbing a ton of rubber over the last couple of years as he had, had taken the, the top role. But I think they're going to split it at best this year is what you can think if you're a backer of Allen in this regard. I think he comes in as a 1B in this matchup. And then should either one of them falter or just get worn out? Caden Prepon is the third guy in reserve who had a cameo for them last year and the last couple of years, in fact.
1: I think, uh, I mean, it's hard. This is probably one of the harder ones to project, only because they both had terrible numbers last year. They pretty much split the crease. Um, Do I think this team is better? Maybe. Uh, If they're healthy, they're probably a better team than they were last year, so the numbers could go up. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm not sold on – the, not sold on – Either of these guys, like from a fantasy standpoint, I definitely didn't touch either one um, because I don't know who's going to start more games here. Um, truth be told. I'll take us in to the Ottawa Senators. Um, they continue to add to, to an already pretty solid team. Uh, the top six is pretty much returning guys um, due to some some injury concerns. Josh Norris, uh, was technically placed on injured reserve, but is going to travel with the team for their opening game of the season. So it is possible that he could uh, play in that game against Carolina. I don't, I don't think he's been officially ruled out. IR at the start of the season is different than in season. Um, so I don't think he technically has to miss a certain number of games. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he has to. So if Norris plays, uh, he's a top six guy. I think he's their, you know, second line center, maybe first line over Stutzley, but probably second. Um, so it, it really even bolsters this group overall. But for now, we've got Tichuk, Stutzley, and Giroux. All of them hitting the thirty five goal mark last season. Stutzley led the way with thirty nine. No reason to spe- expect any sort of drop off. I don't think for those guys. They've got Matthew Joseph, Riley Greig in there for now. Drake Batherson. 20 goals, 40 assists, in a full 82-game season. Really good run by him. Uh, like I said, Josh Norris slots into the second-line center once he's healthy. They bring in Dominic Kubelik from Detroit. Uh, 20 goals, 25 helpers last year. Roark Chartier from the AHL primarily. We have penciled in. Again, I think Grieg jumps down a spot there. Um, Shane Pinto, if he were to sign a contract, would also factor into this top nine as well um had a had a real good season last year 20 goals 15 assists understandable why he wants a new deal but that was really like his first good season Tarasenko comes over from uh St. Louis slash New York just missed the 20 goal mark I think if he plays 82 games he gets there no problem so if they can figure out Norris if they can figure out Pinto this is a really strong top nine um The center position's a little weak right now um, because they don't have a a ton of other options due to those guys' injuries. I think even or absences, rather, I shouldn't call it injuries. But if they can get that figured out, this is a really deep top nine and one that will be hard to compete against. And you've got Tarasenko, who you know maybe isn't the same player anymore, but has throughout his career been a first line. Uh, first line player. I mentioned the numbers that this top line put up last year. Uh, this is a really, really good top nine. With even if they just get Norris back, right? If the if the Pinto thing carries on, I think the top six becomes stronger. It you know Tarasenko could probably carry that third line with you or I as center. <laughs> so, and, you know, I, I, I think they're in a good spot.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think you know there's a few comments of other teams that we made where they have longer term concerns I think they'll get this sorted out in the early going of the season these contract disputes don't tend to drag on in too many cases so Pinto should be back in the fold as well but I like you like definitely the top line is one one of the best in the conference maybe the entire league if they can squeeze another great year out of Claude Giroux he had a career type season last year where we were nudging the point per game mark and he's in his mid 30s though so you wonder how many more laps around the league he's going to be able to do but partnered with Stutzli and Tuchuk. I like his chances. Matthew Joseph, to me, is a question mark on the second line. Unless they move Tarasenko up, uh, I, I think he's the guy that you got to wonder ca- how much production can they get at him. Only three goals and 15 assists in 56 games played. He's got to do a lot better than that to hold on to that role. As I said, guys like Kubalik and Tarasenko waiting in the wings on the second line, uh, on the third line. So uh, the, they could have a different look offensively if they need to shuffle things around. But I like the top nine possibilities here for sure. Uh, on the blue line, they've got two studs, uh, maybe three in the, in the making when you consider Jake Anderson on the second pairing. But Thomas Chabot, Jake Chick, Jacob Chikran, two very good offensive pieces who could eat upwards of 25 minutes a game for this club. And they're putting them on the same pairing. So maybe they're going to be dedicated to that to see what they can get out of those two guys. Both offensive spark plugs. Not so sure about their defensive game, though. That might be a bit of a question mark. Jake Sanderson might be the best of all when all is said and done here. Uh, continuing his early part of his career 32 points in 77 games played they committed to him long-term AJ so the Ottawa Senators have a lot of faith that he will become a key part of this team for years to come and really have three credible offense uh, offensive pieces on the blue line a luxury that we've talked about often in the past Artem Zub, Eric Branstrom and Travis Hamanek rounded out as three very good defensive-minded players so they they could restructure the blue line and have one offensive, one defensive player on each pairing. I think that's the way it should settle down and uh, spread the wealth, as it were, in terms of the offensive capabilities. But definitely a good-looking six-pack on the blue line here, too.
1: Well, I'll just take us into the goalies there, Paul. You ran through that pretty well. Uh, No strong disagreements with you there. So... Jonas Corbisalo, the big addition, comes over from uh, Columbus slash Los Angeles last season. 39 total games played, 18, 14, and 4 was the record. Just one shutout. Um, 2.87 was the goals against average. Uh, I'm I'm not sold on this addition. Um, Yeah, you know, you look at at his numbers. uh, Let's take his playoff numbers, right? He comes in couple of good games, but then flames out spectacularly. Five, four, and five goals allowed in the last three games. Now, granted, those were against Edmonton. They've put up a, a big numbers like that on, on a lot of teams. But uh, during the season, including the playoffs, we've got eight different games here where he gave up five or more goals. That number for four or more jumps up to 14 Um just the one shutout last year so it's peaks and valleys with him uh that I've seen at least so I'm not totally sold on Jonas Corposalo as the starting netminder uh to say I think it's fair to say whether you like his numbers or not I I think it would be fair to say it's probably the weakest part of this team is the goaltending Anton Forsberg is is the projected backup right now 11 11 and 2 a uh goals against average at 3.26 but Look, Ottawa could find itself in a position where they're kind of like Edmonton now. They've got enough offensive pieces. They can score enough points. And maybe the goaltending just doesn't have to be perfect. Maybe it just has to be good enough. uh, And that could be the case with Corpus
0: I think the last point is very accurate, AJ. It just needs to be good enough. And between these two goalies, I wonder if you could guess how many 40-game seasons they've had in their careers so far. The answer is one.
1: Yeah, that, I was going to say,
0: I, I was leaning towards zero, Paul. That That goes to Anton Forsberg, by the way. So I've seen a lot of ink spilled about Eunice Corpus being a number one goalie here. The jury is out because he has, simply hasn't done it in his career to play even upwards of 30, 38 games in a season. So uh, definitely the, the question mark on this team is in the Nets, but they at least have two experienced options. Both these guys have been around the league for a few years and they just have to be decent behind the talent that we've talked about at the other positions. So that's a pretty cogent outlook for that team uh, uh, overall. In terms of the next club up, the Tampa Lightning, this is a team that's perennially been at the top of the division, but there are cracks beginning to show. And you can see it by the fact that they really had to do some tricky navigating to get under the salary cap, but the, The look of the top six is pretty much intact with maybe one exception, I'll say. Steven Stamkos, who likely will be embroiled in some contract talks over the season as he's playing out the last year of his current deal, 84 points in 81 games played. He'll be pressed to repeat that. He's getting a little longer in the tooth now, and the numbers have started to tick down a little bit. Braden Point, uh, the signature player offensively for this club, driving the the top line, coming off a 50-goal season, 105 points in total. And partnered with Nikita Kucherov, 113 points in 82 games played. I think there's going to be a bit of a downturn for all three offensively this season. Maybe 90 points is the top that you'll see on the latter two. And Stankos, right around the 80 mark. So not much of a drop, but uh, I think a drop nonetheless. The second line, Brandon Hagel, similarly tasked with trying to repeat the, his number 64 points, including 30 goals in 81 games played. The talent around him is going to make it hard for him to repeat those numbers. Anthony Sorelli is the center on that second line, 29 points in 58 games played. Maybe if he's healthy, he goes to 20 and, and uh, 30 uh, for 50 points overall. That's what I see his ceiling at. And then Tyler Mott is the new addition on the top six, at least projection-wise, where he's expecting to make good on the opportunity after coming over from a year split between Ottawa and New York Rangers. 19 points in 62 games played. Tell you that he's not a scoring machine, more of maybe the defensive conscious physicality on that second line, but they would like to upgrade that position if possible. Then it drops off a little bit, and maybe the answer to that second line might come from a newcomer, Connor Sheary, who you know a little bit about from his time with Pittsburgh, but last year he was with Washington, coming off a 37-point season in 82 games played. To me, he looks like a more sensible choice on the second line that uh, overbought. So we'll wait and see how that turns out. But for now, he's relegated the third line starting duty. Nick Paul at center and Mikey Isomont, two guys that are hard to play against. But Nick Paul also had 17 goals and 15 assists. So a credible offensive talent there. And then the fourth line features another one of the NHL's heavyweight champs, hopefuls, and physical department. That's Tanner Janot coming off a season where he split time with Nashville as well as Tampa, 18 points in 76 games tell you he's not going to be a big offensive contributor and he shouldn't be on this team with that opportunity. Luke Lendenning has been a career depth piece. He comes over from Dallas last year and while Terry Morella is coming over from Finland, this is one of the uh, other cases where team just looked for a minimum contract with a guy who has some offensive chops. 41 games played for his team in Finland last year, produced 33 points, They'd love anything close to that, but they're not going to get it if they relegate this guy to fourth line duty. So keep an eye on him. That right wing looks to me a position that will be in flux all season for the Tampa club. And he might be a candidate for top six or top nine employment there.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, uh, I would say this is probably the most question marks I've had about a Tampa forward group in a, in a number of years. And, and we've kind of been waiting for this to come, right? Like those, those, Title years had players on lower contracts that had eventually had to get paid and we knew they weren't going to all fit in. And eventually uh, they were going to have to bring in some, some new guys and they were going to lose some pieces there. So we've, we've kind of been waiting for this to happen. They kind of, I would say they staved it off last year. Um, but, but the, the titles have come home to roost in terms of costs. And I would say this is probably one of the weaker forward groups we've seen in a while. Now, having said that, you know, if they get Connor Siri or Mott to, to step up and maybe they can move, you know, Kucherov to the second line just to spread out the scoring a little bit. Maybe there's something that they can work there um, on the, the blue line here. Same old show for them. Victor Hedman will lead the way. Absolutely. And offensively wise, uh, Mikhail Sergachev will be the second choice here. They've got Hedman with Nick Purvix, uh Sergachev with Darren Radish. Neither Perbix nor Radish is expected to be much of an offensive driver. Um, Calvin Dehan comes over from Carolina. Again, another shutdown guy. Eric Cernak, uh, the, the other option there. So, I mean, really, two-man show, 100%. If any of the other, you know, three guys tops 20 – or uh, four guys tops 25 points, I'd be surprised. Um, that's kind of the ceiling I project for, for all of them. Uh, so it'll really be Hedman and Sergachev that lead the way.
0: Yeah. Keep an eye out though, on who is the point man on the power play here. Cause we saw Sergachev actually get 64 points to Hedman's 49 last year. So that tells me that, that, that role might be up for grabs, AJ. Uh, Sergachev taking steps in his development to be a frontline scorer and a good two-way piece. He's also a, a physical presence and good in his defensive zone. So, Definitely a strong one-two punch there, but beyond them, it's a bunch of plug-ins that are more defensively conscious and not noted for the offensive skills, so they won't be going in any drafts this season. The big trouble is in the nets, folks. Andrey Vasilevsky had back surgeries facing at least two months on the sideline. If it goes longer, it's a bigger problem for this club. They couldn't do anything about augmenting their goaltending situation because they were so hard up against the cap. I was expecting them to take... Uh, A crack at a couple of waiver possibilities, including one that slipped through and stays with the Maple Leafs we'll talk about it in a second. But the goaltending tandem of note here, Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins. And you might say, who? Well, we do, too. Uh, Johansson uh, played three games for Colorado last year. He was mostly in the AHL, put up some good numbers there in 26 games played. 233 was the goals against average and 920 was the save percentage. They're not going to be anywhere close to that for him in the NHL. Uh, behind this team, I just uh, expect trouble for them. Matt Tompkins, even less is known about him. Played in the Swedish Elite League. He's 29 years old. He had some good numbers there too. In 32 games played, 2.53 goals against, 91.1 save percentage. But they got to be using uh, working the rosary beads to say, "Please, Andre, come back soon." That's the problem here in the nets for for Tampa. The way I see it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, can you stay? like you. We, we talk about this all the time. Everybody will say you can't win the league, the cup in, uh, you know, the first two months of the season, but you can definitely lose it. Yeah. Um, and so the question will be, can they hold out long enough to get Vasilevsky back? That's the biggest question mark heading into the season for them. We will turn our attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is your opportunity, if you're listening, to jump ahead about 5, 10, 30 minutes <laughs> um, to skip over all the crud that you're about to hear um, about the greatest team in the history of hockey uh, that's about to take the ice. So, um, Paul, I will just, uh, I'll throw out a few things for you to, to think about and, and to comment on. We've got uh, Tyler Batuzzi on the team now. Max Dome joins the team as well. Uh, you've got uh, Matthew Matthew uh, Zaniz. Nice. Nice. Matthew Nice coming in from uh, University of Minnesota. See, I don't know how to say his name. I don't talk about Gophers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a couple a couple new faces. The old guard is obviously still there. Um, Paul, what say you about the Toronto Maple Leafs forward group?
0: Well, it would be a heck of a lot better if they can get the 30-goal Tyler Bertuzzi as opposed to the one who slumped to eight goals and 22 assists in 50 games played in the regular season. did have a nice series for Boston in a losing effort, though, as he found his scoring touch there at that point. So that's the version that I want to see. He brings some bite to this team. So I think it's an upgrade over Bunting, who moved on to Carolina. Look, at Austin Matthews should be back, threatening the 50-goal mark, assuming he can be healthy. And both he and Mitch Marner should be 100-point threats on the season. On the second line, they've got a new look with Max Domi providing some bite alongside John Tavares and Willie Nylander. Nylander has uh, got the specter of a contract issue over his head. He's in the final year of a long-term deal this year, and there's been a lot of ink spilled on that one. But it's going to play out in the backdrop of this season, and uh, I'm expecting him to be more like likely to be motivated to earn that next contract by duplicating what he did last year with 40 goals and 47 assists. John Tavares now in his sixth year of his seven-year contract. People were expecting him to slow down by now, but he's coming off an 80-point season in 80 games played. Still a point per game. That's easy math. And uh, I think he could could stay around that, but I might see a bit of a downtick. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in the lower 70s just because he might have lost a half step. Uh, but Max Domi could see an uptick in his numbers. But I'll take what he did last year, 20 goals and 36 uh, points overall as, as his floor. I think he could be a 50-point guy on this unit minimum. And uh, he's been up, or up above that in a prior stop in Montreal. So that's the version I want to see. He had a nice playoff for Dallas last year and I know what he could be, uh, a real asset here. I know he's excited to be here. Matthew Nyes, you mentioned him, AJ, and quite simply, he has parlayed a strong finish to his college career to an outstanding training camp. In some corners, maybe the best player that I saw on the ice from the Beliefs this year, looking for him to be a big performer for the club for years and years, but a real nice piece on the third line. formed a great partnership with Fraser Minton, who comes into camp and wins a job as a 19-year-old guy. He's a second-round draft in the 2022 year, uh, played in WHL last year, had 67 points in 57 games, but he put on a lot of muscle, and he gained an inch in height. He's now 6'2", 210 pounds, and has the body of a, a big leaguer and apparently a, a mind of one, too. I watched every minute of the guy's Efforts in the preseason it looked like he was very comfortable in this setting. So he's going to get every chance to play more than just the nine games that uh, some of these teenagers come into their entry level deals with at the NHL to start their career. Rounding out that uh, nine pack is Callie Arncrock, who came over to the lease from Nashville and produced his first 20 goal season as a pro. It's a pretty nice luxury to have a 20 goal scorer on your third line. Not many teams that we've covered can say that. So, different bit of a look uh, offensively with the two. Uh, key additions in the top six and the youngster on the third line. And uh, AJ, you got any comment on what I've said so far? You want me to keep
1: going? No, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a little bit of a break uh, to uh, just talk about, um, you know, the, the big addition on the blue line. Uh, John Klingberg comes over 10 goals, uh, 23 assists last season. Uh, Overall between time in Anaheim and in Minnesota, Obviously a far cry from his, uh, some of his numbers with Dallas. And I think the question that I would post to you that I'll, I'll let you toss around, which power play do you put Klingberg on? Do you put him on the number one? Do you let him quarterback that group? Uh, his numbers in Dallas while doing that role have been pretty good. I mean, you've got multiple seasons with 20 power play points. So where do you utilize John Klingberg? And how does the rest of the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs blue line shake out?
0: Well, I'll deal with the Klingberg question first. He has been a power play specialist his whole career and uh, thrived particularly in Dallas, as as you said, a little less so in Anaheim, Minnesota, where he split time last year. But he's got a big shot, AJ, and that's been an element missing from this power play because Morgan Riley just doesn't wire it uh, quite simply. He's more of a facilitator from the blue line. So having the threat of an actual scoring attempt from the blue line is going to be something of a new look for the Leafs and really should make this – Potent power play that much more dangerous in the early going. Should he falter, though, they will slide seamlessly over back to Morgan Riley, who's been quarterbacking this top five power play for the last couple of years with some degree of success. And I look for him to his offensive totals. Will both both these guys will have better than last year? Klingberg finished with only 33 points. I think he smashes close to 50. And I say the same thing for Morgan Riley, coming off a 41-point season. They're the linchpins with offensive upside. Uh, the rest are, guys, uh, baggage smasher in uh, Jake McKay, really good in his defensive end, from what I saw. TJ Brody, again, one of the better defensive defensemen in the league, Stay was injured a lot last year. He's in the last year of a $5 million cap hit, and he needs to stay healthy for this team to thrive. Connor Timmins will start the season on the injured reserve. He's a guy with an offensive upside, too. He was one of the leading scorers defensively, offensively for the club in the exhibitions, but he starts the year on the LTIR with a lower body injury. Rounding out the... Uh, The blue line, the oldest player in the NHL, Mark Giordano. I got a lot of time for Mark as a fellow alum of my high school here in Toronto and uh, came through with 24 points, but he's more of a defensive specialist, shot blocker, extraordinaire, leader in that category all time in the history of the NHL, actually. Timothy Lilligran, a former number one first-round draft pick, uh, taking steps in his development. Can't hurt him to be behind, beside Giordano to see a next step in his career. I think he's got an upside that should see him top the 30-point mark. He only had 18 in 67 games played last year. In terms of the net mining, AJ, Elias Samsonov played 42 games for the club last year. He'll be tasked with making that number come closer to 50, at least, I think, and should thrive behind this, this quality team. The goals against was a Oh, 233, the save percentage, 91.9%. But I'm curious to see what they get out of Joseph Wall as the backup guy. He had a, a nice uh, cameo in the regular season with six wins out of seven decisions. The numbers were impressive, as you might suggest, with those numbers. 216 goals against in a 93.2 save percentage, but they really were lucky at the waiver deadline. I teased this earlier. Martin Jones is a third option that they'll be keeping in the uh, Marley system in uh, downtown Toronto as well, so it's just a phone call away to get him to the big club. Last year in Seattle, 48 games played, so he was the starter of choice. He wound up with 27 wins, 13 losses, and three ties, three shutouts. Goals against a 2.99 and a save percentage of 8.86. I'd like to see that improve, but not a bad guy to have in reserve. So I think there's not too many question marks for this team. Uh, Maybe the bright light will be on the third line offensively to see what the kids can do, but otherwise I'm pretty happy with the way this team looks.
1: All right. Well, that concludes uh, our look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can come back in. If you've been watching us on YouTube, I'll I'll wave you back in. You can unmute it. Paul's done. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that concludes this. Look, we, Paul, I don't know whose turn it is to go first, but I'm going to make you give your rundown first, because we all know who you have winning the division. Of course, you have the Maple Leafs winning. Who finishes out two through eight in your breakdown of how the Atlantic shakes out? Well, let me just say, I've looked around the a lot of preseason predictions And I have not
0: yet to find one that shows anybody but the Maple Leafs winning this division. And I think we've made the case for the club because as far as I can see, there's lots of question marks elsewhere. The Leafs are featuring rookies on that that third line. That might be a bit of a question mark in some people's eyes. But I think they're pretty much strong enough to defend, to take over the top spot this season, rather. And they might win it by quite a margin when you consider I have Buffalo second, AJ, and the question mark there for me is uncertainty and goal. Certainly, we talked about the, the two guys on defense that are worth drafting earlier in your drafts but and some quality up front, but I think uncertainty and goal makes them uh, the second choice for me. Ottawa, similarly ca- cast in a top-end role in this division for me. And certainly at the center position might be a short-term issue. So maybe I'll flip-flop and put Ottawa second, but I'll I'll stay with my original call. Buffalo second, Ottawa third. So two non-playoff teams getting playoff spots this year in the Atlantic. That's because I see the next three teams really with trouble spots. Tampa is, I think, going to finish fourth with Vasilevsky out. The goalie situation is really, really dicey for them. And uh, some of the older guys up front getting a year older, I'm a little bit concerned about the motivation of, of Steven Stamkos. I think he's a pro's pro, but he's got to be wondering about his next contract while this season plays out. And maybe the offense will lose a bit of a step, as I mentioned, across the top, uh, because there'll be a real focus on that top line with the weakness of the rest of the roster. Fifth in the division, they were first last year, but the Bruins, I think, are going to drop precipitously so much so that they won't make the playoffs this year, I don't think. There's lots of departures that we touched upon. There's lots of changes up front. They won't be able to keep Marchand and Pasternak together in the hopes of spreading the wealth, uh, what little remains up front and, and questions abound on that blue line, I think as well. Uh, so, too many questions for them to be a playoff team in this as in this uh, year. Uh, but I've been wrong about Boston before, too many times to count. In fact, and then dropping f- from a team that did so well in the playoffs last year, Florida. I've got them in sixth spot. Two guys on defense that are Lynch pins for this club. They'll be hard to replace. Out for a minimum of two months. If it goes any longer, they're even more, there's even more trouble here. So the pressure is on the new guys to hold hold the. the the team afloat to give this team a chance to stay competitive. Look, I've got them in sixth place, but I think the the difference between first and sixth in this division is going to be much narrower than it was in the past, AJ. I just think there's so much quality in this group uh, when all hands get on deck. It could be quite the horse race to the finish line. So I might suggest 15, no more than 20 points between first and sixth place in this division. And that leaves Detroit on the outside looking in and Montreal uh, bringing up the rear uh, because they're just a little too far behind in their development, but uh, they're getting closer.
1: Yeah. um, I I see it slightly differently, even if my teams uh, are ranked out pretty similarly. Um, I actually put Toronto, I put Toronto up top, um, but I put them in Ottawa kind of as a, as a tier one in this one. I I think it'll be a battle between the two of them for the top spot. um, But I, I do think that we'll have some separation from one and two um, to the next tier, uh, which I have as all the way three through seven, in my opinion, is is the next tier. I've been all over the place on this. I had Buffalo in three at one point, um, but the goalie question marks there. I had Boston as, as low as six, but they don't have goalie question marks. That's probably the only place they don't have question marks this year. Um, Tampa, you know, everything, uh, everything we've highlighted. So ultimately, I do think I wound up with Tampa on three um, in that three spot, Boston at four, Buffalo at five. I think Detroit takes a, a step forward, comes in at six, and Florida at seven, merely just um, because of the, the the lack of defensemen in this group. Um, you know, and it's, it's one thing to be missing an, an offensive-minded defenseman, but you're talking about some unknowns who haven't really been with the team before um, adjusting. And they're really hinging on, on one guy offensively in, in my opinion. So I I've got Tampa, Boston, Buffalo, Detroit, Florida as my three through seven, but that could fall anywhere in there. I think the race for the third spot will be tight. Um, and then I do agree. Montreal is in a low tier of its own uh, tier three, in the Atlantic, I, I just don't see how they get out of the bottom spot here.
0: So we've given you our look at the 32 teams, and we will come back to the way we rank these teams later in the season just for some fun, to poke fun at one another, I'm sure, during the course of the year too. Thing. I can't believe you had them there. I can't believe I had them here. But uh, in terms of final thoughts, you know what occurred to me, AJ, and maybe it occurred to you too, but there's a whole host of youngsters, 18-, 19-, 20-year-old guys or, or imports from Europe, Czech league, Swedish league and Finnish league that we're seeing making the opening day rosters. I think the flat cap has a lot to do with this because there were a lot of teams that really had to squeeze every dollar out of of the cap limit to get under it with their opening day rosters. Some even falling short of the 23 man possibility that you can have on that list. What say you about that aspect?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, they're talking about a significant bump ahead of next season, which would be uh, interesting. I, I think the Leafs honestly are are a perfect case point for this. I mean, you've got three guys in Matthews, Tavares, and Marner making over ten mil. Um, Matthews, for his part, that contract jumps up over thirteen next year. Uh, so that's that's a lot of money. You're talking each one of those guys taking up over 13% of your overall cap. So roughly what rough math, 40% of your cap devoted to those three guys. So you need uh, an Easton Cohen to make under a mill. You need a Matthew Nice, Na- uh, a Fraser Minton, like all three of those guys could be huge factors on this team. And they're all on entry level deals, making less, uh, less than a million dollars. It's just the way the current league is structured right now. Um, you know they're they're benefiting a little bit by the fact that Jake Muzzin is a, effectively retired and they're getting cap relief from there. Matt Murray will be out for a while, cap relief from there as well. Um, so yeah, it's just it's today's NHL. Um, you have to find cheap options to, to fit in. And, and the Leafs are a really interesting case. Look at that with. A now look, who, guys.
0: look who's talking about the Maple Leafs now. It wasn't <laughs> even me. It wasn't scripted. I'm totally surprised by that, AJ. You're trying to soften me up for the regular season here. I, I can't believe what I just heard that my partner is waxing poetic about how the Leafs have uh, navigated the salary cap issue.
1: I mean, there's also a secret dig in there about them, you know, utilizing LTIR, which you've lambasted for years about how all the the Vegas Golden Knights cheat by using LTIR. Looking I didn't at- say they cheated. I think they I said they dollars. Sound, sound
0: economic management. George McPhee is a, a guy <laughs> that I have a lot of time for. I've told that in the Look past. Look how the Tampa's, narrative changes. Tampa's done the same thing. A lot of teams have done the same thing. <laughs> And uh, maybe a year from now, you'll be talking about the Penguins doing the same thing. Those are a lot of old guys you got in there. I don't see
1: a single player on LTIR on the Penguins. You know? Not we, yet. We but play we'll within see. the rules of the game. Not when, is, when,
0: when, the is, when is Evgeny Malkin Ski Week scheduled? Is it March or April this year? I'm not really sure. Usually played March. Full, played a full <laughs> season last year, but uh, that was a first. So anyway, we got some digs at each other. And that's just a sample of the fun we have here on the show and a nice place to start. The, the serious shootings does start be- tonight, and we are very excited about it. We want to thank you for listening to roto podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, reminding you that we're here to assist you with our, our efforts uh, in, in terms of adding to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey, so we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We're excited about the hockey season. Can't wait to talk about the top storylines in weeks to come. So long, everybody.